You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. It's time to take a deep dive into oil. Uh, Not literally, because a a dip in Brent crude probably isn't good for your health. But I'm delighted to work Vandana Harry, the founder of Vanda Insights. Good morning, Vanda. Good morning to you, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, there's a lot going on in the markets this week with data impacting views on whether the US will avoid a recession and how much China will be hit by a slowdown. Firstly, the downgrade of US credit to AA plus has led to a decrease in the price of oil, I noticed overnight. Is this because the company's borrowing costs will increase or is it because it increases the chance of US recession? How is it impacting uh, the price of oil, Fandana? Yeah, indeed. Uh, The financial markets, the sentiment in the financial markets has been a major driver of oil prices, I would say, for the pretty much since the start of this year. Uh, Fundamentals have been a little bit to the side, uh, also because it's been uh, on the supply side, it's been quite stable in in some ways, thanks to um, the efforts of uh, OPEC, uh, non-OPEC alliance. But going back to the U.S., it does uh, what what happens with regards to expectations of U.S. inflation, uh, what the U.S. Fed will do uh, and what the U.S. economy will do and and the so-called soft landing narrative uh, that took root at the start of July. That was a major driver uh, of um, a a steady climb in crude prices that we saw uh, since the start of last month. And um, exactly as you point out, uh, the the market seemed to have been spooked uh, yesterday and we saw a bit of a pullback. Nonetheless, uh, crude prices remain close to year-to-date highs. Uh, and uh, while it is being supported by a positive turn in sentiment over, over the U.S. economy, more specifically expectations that the U.S. economy will manage to escape recession, uh, it's also been supported by uh, output cuts. Uh, which have been uh, affected by yeah. uh, not the whole group, not uh, entire OPEC plus, uh, but uh, a sizable part of that uh, alliance. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because obviously the economy impacts the demand, but it's always demand and supply that impacts price. So I've been reading that eight producers from OPEC have made voluntary cuts. Is that enough for it to have a really big impact? Because could just the others increase their supply to benefit themselves? How does that work? Excellent question, Steve. So uh, the reason only eight members uh, announced or pledged the cuts is because of the 19 members of that alliance that are in this pact, uh, whereby they uh, agree how much they will they will produce. Um, only eight members were actually producing close to their targets or close to their quotas. Uh, the remaining were way below those quotas. So it wouldn't really make sense for the remaining to pledge cuts because, you know, even if they, it would just be uh, on paper. They wouldn't actually be reducing supply. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's another story of probably for another day. Uh, those countries, the, the vast majority of OPEC plus now, uh, have been struggling to bring their output back. So uh, these eight members, since they are the ones who are actually who were actually producing close to their quotas, uh, they are capable of actually delivering those cuts. So the market has taken those quite seriously that we have uh, noticed uh, uh, quite a clear tightening of supplies in the market as a result of these cuts. In in other words, they've been quite effective. So that has been a supportive factor 
Uh, for crude prices. Ah, that makes sense now. So why eight have made the voluntary cuts? Because they were near their quotas. But uh, have in the past all 22 countries been in agreement? I guess that must be quite difficult to get 22 countries aligned. It uh, is not easy. Uh, There have been uh, times of uh, conflict, tension, uh, some meetings have uh, overrun, in, gone into days uh, where what was expected to be agreed in a matter of hours. Uh, so it's, it's quite a motley group if you look at it in, in terms of the size of the producers, the size of the economies, uh, their ability, their, their, their budget, uh, target budget prices. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think what keeps them together uh, is uh, sort of a, a, a common aim and uh, the acknowledgement, the realization that they are much stronger staying together uh, than going their separate ways. Because uh, for the past few years, at least, whenever OPEC Plus has uh, trimmed or, or reduced production, uh, prices have responded by, by going higher. So, you know, it, it, uh, the, the trade-off works for those uh, producing com- uh, countries. Of course, at the moment, we have a big conflict with the Russia-Ukraine war. Is that having any effect on the supply or demand for oil? So uh, most of the impact of the, of the invasion of uh, Ukraine was, of course, uh, the Western sanctions against Russia, which have effectively uh, forced Russia to reroute its, uh, its crude and refined product exports, which are considerable, nearly 8% of global supply comes uh, in terms from, from Russia as Russian exports. Uh, have been rerouted, but most of that turmoil uh, was uh, worked through the markets um, in 2022. So as of now, when you look at Russia, uh, pretty much since the start of this year, it's pretty stable. Uh, the, the crude and refined products are going to completely different parts of the world than they were before the Ukraine war. But when you look at the sum total of the situation, you know, the supply uh, has not changed. So there's just, just been a massive dislocation. Russia uh, selling more of its crude to China and India, or nearly all its crude to China and India, and China and uh, some of the Middle Eastern crude uh, that used to come to China and India, for instance, finding its way into Europe. So it's been an almost a near perfect uh, swapping of markets, if you will. So not a major, uh, not a concern at all right now. Okay. Uh, to the markets in terms of supply. Well, how about climate activism being a concern? Although I'm seeing this going both ways at the moment, because yesterday a large US-based asset manager, uh, a survey of them showed a waning interest in encouraging companies in which they invest in to phase out fossil fuels. Um, and also Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, UK Prime Minister, is defending the decision to grant 100 new North Sea oil and gas licences. So how are you seeing climate activism at the moment? Is it getting harder? Is it softening? And how is that impacting the world of oil? Yeah, I think it's in a major flux, I would say, uh, pretty much uh, for the, over the past couple of years. Uh, what I would uh, characterise characterize it as is that activism, climate activism or idealism even in terms of you know, net zero targets and ambitions has collided with pragmatism. So what you see is a sort of a, a global north-south divide that gets talked about quite a bit as well, right? So here in Asia, we have uh, countries that uh, for whom energy security, accessibility, uh, for their uh, populations, you know, 
price sensitive populations and energy affordability has risen to the top of the agenda. Uh, what, you, what you're talking about in the West is also quite an interesting. Now, for, for quite some time, we saw a sharp divide between the U.S. companies, for instance, ExxonMobil and, and Chevron, sticking to their meetings, saying we'll continue to focus on oil and gas production, investment and so on. And um, across the pond, you have, you know, Shell and BP uh, making a sharp pivot uh, towards green energy. Okay, well, in, in we're going to have to wrap up. Companies, Okay. I'm so sorry, Vandana, because it's a fascinating uh, discussion. So that's Vandana Harry, the founder of Vanda Insights.